You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. I know a man who was saved by the grace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And for the last 30 years, this man has been blessed with gifts from the Spirit. He has dreamed dreams and shared in visions of the glory of God. This man who has communed with God in his throne room has felt the breath of God fill his lungs with life. He has felt the presence of God, the warmth of his presence on his skin. This man has has felt the hand of God reaching into his life, working in his life, saving his life and countless others. This man has preached the gospel that he received. He has worshipped the God that has blessed him. And he has brought others to receive the same grace that he experienced through Jesus. I could go on and on about a man like that. I could boast about someone like that. But about myself? I can't boast. I'm, I'm weak. I, I'm not good enough. I, I, feel, I feel inadequate to be standing up here today to carry the name of Jesus, to share his life with you. I, I, feel, I feel distracted. I feel like I, I can't figure it out. I feel like I've got this, this thorn in my side that distracts me, that prevents me from doing the things that I'm supposed to do. Sometimes, sometimes it's small, like the tag of a t-shirt that just won't quit rubbing in just the wrong spot. Like a a splinter in my fingertip as I'm trying to play the guitar. Like a ringing in my ear that just won't go away. Sometimes it's big. Sometimes it feels like a knife stabbed into my side and I can't even take a breath. I, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I'm too weak. But you know, In our weakness, that's kind of where God does some of his best work. Would you stand with me as we read from the scriptures this morning? If you'd like to follow along, I will be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and starting in verse 2. Here Paul writes, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness." Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, 
I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So here Paul tells this story of a man that he knows. Really, he's just talking about himself in the third person for the sake of this story of being able to boast about this man without building himself up. Even though if he wanted to boast about himself, he could. In the, the last chapter, right before he shares this vision, he, he talks about all of the things that he's done as an apostle. He shares all the things that he's done that affirm who he is. And then he shares this experience that he's had of being brought into the throne room of God, of being in paradise. So he could boast about that. I mean, if I had some kind of experience like that, I would boast about it. I, I would want to stay there. I would want to live there. I would not want to do anything for the rest of my life other than be in that experience. But Paul doesn't. He, he comes back to where he is. He comes back to the things that God has brought for him. And he works with the church, and he tells this story of this man who was caught up into the third heaven. Now, this means he wasn't, you know, on some really high mountaintop or up in the clouds floating above us, looking down at creation. He wasn't in the heavens with the heavenly beings, the stars, the moon, the sun. No, he was in some place entirely different. He was in paradise. This is the same place that Jesus says to the thief on the cross, I will be with you today. And here in paradise, Paul sees things and he hears things that he cannot describe. In Revelation, John tries to describe the things that he sees and hears in heaven. When talking about the place, he says the streets were paved of gold and, and the buildings were like jewels of the creatures living in heaven. He says, well, this one had a head like a lion, and this one a head like an eagle, and this one's face was like a man, but not really because there were eyes everywhere, and it didn't actually look like what I'm trying to tell you it looked like. And he just uses words that make sense to us, that we understand. About Jesus' face, he says it shines like the sun. God's voice is like thunder. And these are, these are just words that we understand that give us some point of reference to try and ground us and our minds don't melt when we think about the God of creation. But here Paul knows he can't give this experience the right words. He can't tell us what it is and so he just says these are things that no one is permitted to tell. It doesn't mean that he's supposed to keep it a secret. It doesn't mean that we're not supposed to know that he had this experience. It just means that there's really no way to describe it other than to call it paradise. And so Paul has this experience in paradise, and he says he doesn't know whether this experience was in the body or out of the body. See, when the prophets of old received their visions, a lot of times it would have been like they were in a trance. They were in some kind of trance-like state, and the things of heaven were brought down before them. And as they meditated on God, he presented himself to them, and they received their words. They received these visions and knew then what they were supposed to go and say to the Israelites, say to the people of God, the things that they were supposed to do. But Paul's experience is something completely different. He was caught up into heaven. 
So he says he doesn't know if his body was down here and his soul left his body and came up to heaven. He doesn't know if his body and soul together, his whole being, were brought up into the throne room of God and he was able to fully experience the paradise that awaits us. He doesn't know and really, truly, it doesn't matter. Because that's not the point that he's getting at here. He's not trying to focus on the things that he's done or the things that he's experienced. He wants the church to know what's available to them. He wants us to know what's available to us. But he has to talk about all the things that he's done. He has to share these experiences because at the time there were these other teachers coming in among the churches, these false apostles who were coming in and preaching a gospel that was different than what the church had received. They were saying, they were discrediting Paul and saying things like he doesn't really know what he's talking about. The gospel that he shared with you, that's not good enough. And it sounded good because they were boasting about things about themselves. They were boasting about things that people could see and understand. They were boasting in their own power about how rich they were, about how much influence they had, and about how many followers they had. Saying things like, donate to my ministries and God will pay it back tenfold. Retweet how good my sermon was today for a chance to win a million dollars and I promise it works because Jesus wants you to be rich just like me. So this all sounds good, but Paul comes in and says, no, that is not the gospel that you received. These things that these men boast about, that's themselves. Those are their own credentials. That's not what God has for you. You want to know what God has? You want to know what's coming in God? It's paradise. It's everlasting life with Him, and I've experienced it. But we're not there yet. And so to remind me of that, to keep me grounded, to keep me from staying in that place and forgetting about you and forgetting about this world, I've got this thorn in my flesh, this tormentor from Satan. And it humbles me and reminds me of what really matters. Giving God the glory and giving Him praise that He is due for all of the things that He has done and continues to do in our lives today. And yeah, I've got this thorn. And it hurts. And it stays there and it keeps distracting me. And even though I've asked God to take it away, and He said no, his grace is enough for me. He still loves me. He still cares for me. You know, this sounds a lot like something that Paul wrote a few years later to the church in Philippi. He said, I've learned the secret to being content in all things, whether I have everything that I need or I have nothing. Whether I'm well-fed or I'm starving, I know how to be happy. It's through him who gives me strength. Paul knew what it was like to carry these burdens and still remain faithful to Jesus, to still trust in Jesus. And he knew that his status as an apostle wouldn't exclude him from, from experiencing these hardships, from carrying these burdens. Jesus told his disciples that they wouldn't have it easy. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. 
for I have overcome the world. See, Paul knew trouble would be present, but he didn't run from it altogether. He didn't avoid it. Rather, he embraced it. He saw it as something to be celebrated. He took joy, he took delight in the things that were hurting him and in his weaknesses. When Paul says, I delight in my weakness, or I take pleasure in my weakness, this is the same word that God used, that God spoke when Jesus was baptized. And as he came up out of the water, the heavens opened and God spoke down and said, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. I'm sorry, what? Paul feels the same way about having a thorn in his flesh, about being tempted by Satan, as God did about his son Jesus coming into power in this world. That doesn't make any sense. I don't understand how you can, you can take joy in the things that hurt you. How could someone find pleasure in the, in the things that bring them down? How can Paul delight in his weakness? Well, it's because he understands that it's an opportunity for something bigger, something better, something so much greater than his own power and his own strength to display itself in his life. Paul says, when I am weak, Christ's power rests on me. The fact that when we can't do it on our own, when we can't stand on our own two feet, when we can't carry the burden, the fact that when this is going on, that's when Jesus comes closer? Okay, I guess it starts to make a little bit of sense that you can celebrate something like that. I guess it makes sense that you can delight in the power of Jesus being present in your life. Well, maybe you've heard the Greek word for power before. It's dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. It's an explosive kind of power. Today's the 4th of July. So how many of you are planning on later tonight celebrating by blowing something up? Maybe setting off some fireworks. You know, maybe your family sets off the big ones that shoot up in the air and then explode. Maybe you go down to the Balloon Fiesta field and watch the giant fireworks. You know, those huge mortars that fly hundreds of feet up into the air and then explode. And you can see them for miles. I'm not talking about some dinky little snake or smoke bomb. I'm, I mean fireworks. Imagine you're holding one of those mortar shells right in front of you. And it explodes. That's the kind of power that we're talking about with Jesus. It messes things up. It's a kind of power that you can't handle. When Jesus displays his power, the world is not the same. And so, this is kind of where the story gets real for us. This is where Jesus' words apply to us today. He said, I have told you all these things so that you may have peace in me. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 
Church, you will have trouble. You will have thorns that stick in your side. I know you're carrying them today. I know that we have troubles in this room. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you know. It doesn't matter what you've done. You cannot build up walls high enough to keep it out. You cannot save up enough money to buy your way out of trouble. It doesn't matter who you are. You will have trouble. Maybe, maybe it's money problems. Maybe it's a crippling injury. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's something so small and yet too big to carry all at the same time. Whatever it is, you will have it. You will have trouble. And I know that we are carrying these burdens with us today. But hear me. Hear the words that God gives to Paul. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, the things that we see as broken, water pouring out through the cracks in a vase, light shining in through the holes in our walls, yet another fight with our spouse. Another night spent mourning the loss of our baby. These are opportunities for God to display his power in our lives. And honestly, I know you don't want that. I know you don't want to carry that burden. I know it's suffocating and it's too much. So when you cry out to God, when you plead with him to remove the thorn from your side, whether he takes it away, or gives you the ability to withstand more pain. That grace is sufficient. That grace is enough. Paul knew that carrying his burden would probably last for the rest of his life here on earth. But he knew it wouldn't last forever. He had seen paradise, and he trusted Jesus to be true to his word, that he has overcome the world, and that included everything in it. That's why he says he can take joy in all of the weaknesses, the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the difficulties that he would face, because he knew they had already been overcome in Jesus. And the same still remains true for us today. All of the death, all of the loss, the pain, the tears, the destruction, the insecurities, and the uncertainties of this world have all been overcome in Jesus. When Jesus comes into our world, he explodes just like that firework. And he demolishes everything. The difference is he doesn't explode and walk away leaving the mess. When Jesus' power is displayed in our lives, it's explosive. But he shatters our expectations. He flips our world upside down, and then he puts it back together the way that he meant for it to be. He puts us back together the way that he meant for us to be. See, Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Whatever you're carrying today, whatever burdens are on you, you might have to carry them a little bit longer.
But can you find joy and give God glory and give God praise? Can you delight in those weaknesses and let his power rest upon you and let Jesus' power be displayed in your life? God's grace is sufficient for you, for his power is made perfect in weakness. So I guess maybe I shouldn't really be too hard on myself for feeling like I can't do it all, for feeling like I can't live up to my own expectations. I was never meant to live by those standards anyway. I can delight in my weaknesses because when I'm weak, when I get out of the way, when I'm humbled and don't count on my own strength, when I get smaller, God gets bigger. When all I do is point to Him, that is when we get to see real power. That's when lives are changed. That's when heaven and earth meet. That's when what I do actually matters. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for these words from Paul. And I thank you that we can learn from them, that we can see not to get caught up in not being good enough on our own, not to get caught up in experiencing trials, not to get caught up in our troubles to know that you are enough and your grace is enough no matter what we're facing no matter what we're going through no matter what is before us your grace is enough so father i pray for each one of us here that you would show up in our lives and you would display your power that we would be able to celebrate that power that we would be able to celebrate the joy that we have in you God, perfect your power in our weaknesses. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.